Five-minute penalty to Chicago. A game misconduct. Hey, what's up, everyone? Tyler Cash here. With another episode of Fourth Line Goon, I'm hanging out in my apartment in Las Vegas, Nevada. Summerlin, Nevada, I guess to be specific. And I'm actually sitting right across from my co-host, Tommy. How you doing, bud? Doing good. Ready to see these wild win tonight. Yeah, so he decided to come in. Uh, we're both attending Game 7 here at the Fortress. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm nervous because... The Golden Knights have uh, never won a Game 7 in a series, and they've also never closed a series out at home. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous about it, but, I mean, playoff hockey is great. Got this awesome hookup uh, in the you know the higher bowl. It's not the, the best view, but it's a, it's a good deal here. They got, like, a, a nice little VIP nightclub situation. It's a lot of fun. So we're going to go there, enjoy some White Claws, and hopefully watch at least an exciting game because uh, there hasn't been a lot of that. Um, but we're we're gonna wait. We're gonna wait to talk about that. We'll we'll end on our predictions. So, uh, yeah, last time we we talked, I believe, was right before the playoffs. Correct? That's correct. Yeah, right before uh, I think game one started of uh, whatever series that was. I can't remember. Yeah, it, it was like literally right before the playoffs. We gave our predictions, at least when it came to the four uh, major. Uh, well, so the four divisions, obviously. Uh, I don't think we really have gotten into any during this during the postseason. So, uh, for those that are tuning in, I'm sure you guys are well educated, so we won't get into the specifics. But we'll kind of just give our takes on each of the matchups. Um, so there is only uh, the VGK and the Wild, and the Canadians and the Leafs. Uh, the Leafs and the Canadians are going to Game Six. Toronto's currently up three to two in the series. What are you? What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, where Where are you lying? Do you think that the Canadians are going to pull off the upset, or do you think Toronto locks it down? Much as I want the Canadians to win, I don't think it happens. I mean, you saw them what last game they get a three zero lead, and they basically just kind of collapsed in. Like, let's protect the three goal lead. We got this. And in today's NHL, that doesn't work. So it went to overtime. Obviously, they had that 2-0 break. Uh, Knights legend Suzuki scored the uh, the overtime winner. But, uh, I mean, I, I'd love to see a Game 7. Uh, I will be shocked if there's a Game 7. But I think I think the Habs are actually getting getting some fans in the stands, if I remember correctly. Uh, I think it's like 2,500 for, for Game 6. Uh, I could be wrong on that. But I think, yeah, uh, 2,500 fans are going to be allowed in, which I think is interesting. Uh, Personally, I, I think they should have done a situation where, you you know, like every other team is kind of done where it's like, you know, thank our first line workers, um, something along those lines where they're just like, yeah, basically people who have a fuck ton of money, you know, go ahead, buy these tickets. We'll take the revenue versus like actually doing something for the community. But that's a different story. Uh, I probably think the Leafs win in six unless, uh, you know, Carey Price steals the game. All of a sudden, the Habs can can throw five goals, six goals in in, in that game. But I, I'm expecting the the Leafs to win in six, as much as I want a seventh game there. Uh, my mic is off. Carey Price is definitely the X factor in that. He's playing great, which is wild because we were seeing those videos going around of him at practice, like and it looked like he was still kind of fighting through an injury that he sustained towards the end of the regular season. But yeah, he is playing well, which is great um, for him because he's an expensive as fuck goalie. He's going to be making well over eleven million, I think, by the time he's he's done with that contract. So um, 
Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, obviously, you know, I have a hard on for Austin Matthews. Uh, Mitch Marner is a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I, I guess we should talk about that Tavares hit, right? I mean, that's not in our notes or anything, but that's that's crazy. If you you know, if you follow hockey at all, you saw the knee of Corey Perry, uh, and ironically enough, not intentional. Uh, you know, knock knock Tavares out cold. Um, he was bleeding. He he was kind of like a rag doll trying to stand on his feet. So. He uh, is out for the foreseeable future, but ironically enough, he didn't sustain any sort of structural damage, and he's already skating again, which is wild to see. Um, great to see. I mean, I hope he can, you know, if they wind up going deep, he can actually make an appearance, especially if they wind up winning a cup. I mean, that would be crazy. I mean, when's the last time uh, a team won the cup uh, with their captain out with an injury? Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. It literally just happened. Uh, in the bubble, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I you know I'm a big Tavares fan. I think it's fun to watch Toronto. Uh, although I will say their their top line is kind of quiet. Why is that a thing? It seems like it when the postseason hits, the studs kind of like go quiet. They go cold. Why do you why do you think that is? I mean, I think the commonality is in the regular season you're not getting away with extra liberties on players regardless if they're a superstar or a captain or whatever the case may be right i think it's a situation where everyone knows there's sort of a different kind of unspoken rule book in terms of calling penalties and you know a hit that's maybe a second too late and kind of just let it go because that's kind of always been the 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 go-to standard i guess if you will for for playoff hockey but uh i think that's kind of it they these superstars, as, as much as you, you want to see it, I guess the exception, you know, being a Blues fan, um, all these number of excuses, obviously, you can make, you know, seem like Nathan McKinnon and, and Kale McCarr go off and, and things like that. But for the most part, it's like you get physical with these guys. They don't have that for the entire season. It throws them off their game. They then have to, have to you know, adjust. And it, it's not a comfortable adjustment for them whatsoever. They, they essentially just have to, you know, deal with it and play through it, but they haven't played through it all season. It's a different animal where you don't really get that, you know, playoff mentality. I feel like the only exception I feel like to that is potentially, you know, having a team that's, that's, you know, on the fringe that has, you know, a, a superstar player or borderline superstar player of the case may be where they're playing tough games down the stretch just to get in. Um, again, can't really see much for the blues based off the outcome, but uh you just don't really see those heavy hitting hard games in the regular season. And then all of a sudden the flips, uh, a switch flips and you know, you're, you're at a point where I'm now getting hit 10, 15 times a game where I got hit maybe once or twice before. Uh, and now I have to figure a way to play through this. I think that's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, thinking you don't have as much enough time to shoot when you do because of all the extra hits and physicality and, you know, whatever the case may be, I think that plays a big part of it, but uh, uh, yeah, I think that's that's kind of my my situation there. But also to speak to Tavares, yeah, I mean, I personally think Corey Perry gets a, a much worse rap than he should. Does he do some scummy stuff? Yeah, but obviously in this case, you know, you're just skating through, and it's the most unfortunate outcome that you could have asked for. I think if the Leafs go deep, I think Tavares probably returns either late round two or round three. The fact that he's already skating is is pretty nuts. Uh, but I believe he has more than the probably assumed concussion as well as I think he has a minor knee injury as well. I don't know if it's from the hit or something else, but uh, he has those two things he's dealing with. So I don't think he has a huge concussion history for from what I know. So it, it could be a situation where it looked a lot worse than it was. 
and he ultimately gets back in, you know, late in round two or round three if they make it that far, is my opinion. So, yeah. And, you know, that's an interesting take. I never really thought about the physicality aspect when it comes to the playoffs. Teams that may not have all that skill are going out of their way to throw their weight around, which obviously the Canadians aren't near as skilled of a team as the Maple Leafs. Um, but as you said, yeah, it looked worse than it actually was because Tavares got cut by his visor, from what I understand. Uh, not unlike, and you know I like to bring this up as often as I can, Joe Pavelski, when he uh, sustained that five-minute major deal when he got hurt, um, apparently it was a screw from the inside of his helmet, like had cut him. So we're not actually seeing like these guys bleeding, like from the eyes and, you know, and the ears, like it's not as scary as it looks because the blood aspect isn't coming from the concussion or like head trauma. But of course you, that's the first thing you go to. You're, you're freaked out and everybody, he tried to get up on his feet immediately and they laid him back down. He gave the thumbs up when he was, um, wheeled off the ice. So yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I could, I think we could see him. I think we could see him as early as I would say the third round. I don't think they would rush him for the second round, especially if it's going to be against the jets. Uh, I, I, I'm not concerned about the Leafs taking that series personally, um, which we'll get into. Uh, but I think it's a good leeway. You brought up physicality and you mentioned the blues a lot, obviously, as you do being a fan, I think we should, uh, kind of segue into, <laughs> The, the ass raping that was the first round for the St. Louis Blues against the Colorado Avalanche went four games. The Blues really never had a chance, did they? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a situation where they didn't even lead a game until that Tarasenko breakaway goal in, in game four, which I, I'm not surprised, but I didn't know that that was the case. Um, but I mean... It, you know, there's there's a lot to, to take in as to, as to where you ended up, where you ended up. And this is why I was saying, you know, the Avalanche aren't as quick or the Avalanche are quicker than the Knights. I'm like, the Knights need to win the division. We can maybe get a chance. And then maybe if we somehow make it to round two, maybe the Avalanche are a little bit banged up. You know, who knows, right? Uh, but at the same time, it's just like the, the turnover that, that the Blues have had on on defense over the last two years and especially with injuries was was nuts right i mean you had petrangelo who went to the knights last year bowmeister retired we traded edmondson to the canadian or we traded edmondson to the hurricanes for justin falk who then got turned around and traded to the canadians uh gunners had a season ending knee injury justin falk got that headshot from garbage Nazem Kadri, who, by the way, I think, fun fact, I think with the suspension that he's getting eight games, assuming his appeal is upheld, that eight games, I think he will have missed in his career 38% of the playoff games that his team has played due to suspension alone, which is insane. Wow. Uh, but then also to, to speak to uh, the the Bortuzzo thing, um, so at the, the Bortuzzo thing with, with Tavares, where Bortuzzo kind of got that elbow in the face, and it came, turns out that, you know, he had a broken orbital bone where that elbow didn't look that terrible. Like it definitely looked like it would hurt. I didn't think a bone would break, but then it's like, you look at a Tavares situation where his head just gets completely crushed and he's, he has a concussion. Uh, not saying that that's any better or worse than a, a broken orbital bone, but it's like, it's crazy to think that like something that had way more fur force and was way more violent, uh, you know, potentially caused less damage. We'll see. I mean, a brain injury is, is, is definitely severe, but uh, in, in terms of keeping somebody out, you know, long term, it's it's interesting to think that. But then also you have, you know, Vince Dunn, who was also hurt, right? 
he, you know, the only D man that that essentially we we had from the from the cup run uh, in that in that lineup was Colton. Preco, who was not at 100%, still isn't at 100%, apparently he's supposed to have, potentially he could have surgery in the offseason, and then technically Tory Krug, who played on the other side with Boston, but I mean, I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I never saw him as a Petrangelo replacement, I mean, it was the next best option, which there's a huge drop-off in my opinion, you kind of had to do it, but I mean, you factor all that in, and then your top score gets COVID, right, I mean, these are all the excuses at the end of the day, but when you look at the level of play, I mean, the Blues competed. They competed hard. Honestly, I think it's the best they did. Bennington stood on his head. He regained his 2019 kind of playoff run form. But also, I mean, our fourth line didn't have an identity. I mean, you had Oscar Sundquist who got hurt, uh, you know, tore his, I think, ACL as well. He was out. I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons as to why the Blues didn't even put up a fight. But at the same time, I mean, it's hard to contain that speed. The Blues gaps weren't great, you know, on coverage. It was constant backing into the zone. It was constant, let's dump the puck in and immediately give it up because their team's quicker than us. And they transitioned back into our defensive zone kind of nonstop. So, I mean, after game two, I was kind of like, if this goes five or six, I'll be happy. It didn't. Uh, but yeah, that was that was easily the most lopsided series in, uh, in the playoffs. By yeah, far. I mean, they had an unfair matchup. To say the least, I mean, the Colorado Avalanche are the cup favorites. The Blues could really never pull it together. But you know what? Uh, I am going to call you out a little bit because the injury situation, it, it wasn't their only problem. Let's just be honest here. Uh, they were not only injured for sure but and going against the cup favorites, but you can't go an entire series and not have any of your your prime talent not showing up like Ryan O'Reilly, zero goals, three assists with a negative seven in the four games. Robert Thomas, zero goals, three assists, three points and a negative one in those four games. You know, it's, it's like, and I, I, I want to find Shen cause I remember Shen was up there too. Yeah. One goal for Shen, no assists and a negative six. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. There were, they were definitely lacking any sort of heart or drive to want to continue on. I think they felt outmatched. Um, to me, it seemed like the only person that really cared to play and play his heart out was Bennington, and he cared too much. He was letting his emotions get the best of him, uh, getting angry. I, 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 we, we need to talk about that. Um, who's the goalie again? Grubauer. He like came at Grubauer and tried to fight him. So Grubauer, like after the series was over, threw a little shade at him on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say before before we get to that, I mean, yeah, the the, the plus minus that 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 stat doesn't really matter to me because we got to think, you know, Brain Chen, Ryan O'Reilly, you know, those guys they're out on the ice <laughs> down one or two goals, right? Like your your top players who you want to perform, and you know, oh, empty net goal scored, oh, another empty net goal scored, so now all of a sudden instead of being even or a minus one, you know, you're 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 a minus three, or maybe somehow you're a plus one, and all of a sudden you're a minus one, like that. That kind of goes out the the window to me because those stats still count even with the goalie pulled. Um, but yeah, I mean to 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 speak to that, I mean it's it was a shit show to say the least, and. Uh, you know, Bennington, I don't think, I mean, I don't think he cared too much. I think this was the perfect moment for him to show, like, and, and I thought it was interesting. The Blues had zero shutouts until Huso they had a shutout there, uh, you know, towards the end of the year. Um, I thought that was interesting how the Blues, how Bennington didn't have a single shutout. I mean, I think that speaks also to, 
how much of a shit show our defense has been all year. But uh, I mean, I think it was the perfect opportunity for him to show like, look, like you guys signed me to a, you know, a big deal long-term. I'm going to show you like, I can do what I need to do when I have to. And, and that's kind of what he did. And I mean, granted the stats themselves don't, don't really show it just because of how much of an onslaught that it was. But at the same time, if you watch the games, the number of saves that he made that he shouldn't have made like that two on O tic-tac-toe pass and then he makes the fucking scorpion save or you know robbing people on you know just throwing out a pad out of nowhere a glove out of nowhere every single game like that's the Bennington everyone hoped that we would have all year granted you show up in the playoffs no one else did but I mean what else do you want from a goaltender in that situation you're going up against the league's best offense a lethal power play and a team that's just decimated and, and and you know dealing with injuries and you have like what what three defensemen make their their nhl playoff debut like that's not a recipe for success granted it's kind of out of their control yeah i mean it was an uphill battle to begin with and i hope that um they figure it out you know because exciting hockey is exciting hockey obviously we're going back to the regular format i'm assuming next year so they're not going to really um, be in a position to necessarily have that last playoff spot. So they're, they're really going to have to pull it together. I, I do want point to point out that Tarasenko didn't have that bad of a postseason. Um, I know uh, a lot of people are, are you know quick to shit on him, but I mean, he had two goals, um, you know, th- and he didn't have any assists. But I mean, I know people were wondering if he still had it in him to net net goals and, and put up points and he was i mean he's probably fighting through an injury who knows if he's even going to be on the team next year when it comes to uh the expansion draft do you think that they're going to leave him unprotected i don't I, I don't think so and i mean to speak to that he even mentioned i guess they mentioned after the season how he had a groin injury that he's been dealing with for a while uh, um but he's also going over to the to the world championships in in latvia so he, he's so he must now. be feeling pretty good uh, that's my assumption, right? So, I mean, if that's if that's the case, you got to think that he's you know ninety ninety five percent plus you know healthy to be able to do that. But I guess at the same time, I mean, you know, as annoying as growing injuries can be, if you had one or not, I don't know. But uh, you know, if you do, as long as you don't tear something, like if it's a strain and and you have you know a whole off season to sort of recuperate a bit. You know, you'll probably be fine. You know, come come playoffs or not playoffs, but uh, preseason. You know, regular season. You know, all that stuff. But uh, I think it was. You know, he definitely was off his game. I mean, I, and I think Baruby after one of the games, you know, said it exactly. Tarasenko for him to 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 elevate his game and be the player that he needs to be. He needs to skate and he needs to skate hard and. You saw it in Game Four. I mean, he puts up two goals, but I mean, uh, you know what? Other than that, uh, you know, we 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 should be good, I, I guess, in in terms of him coming back. And I I don't really see. It would be hard pressed for the Blues to just leave him unprotected and give him up. I could see a trade, but I don't see them just giving up a guy like that for free unless you have some. Crazy deal in the works. Granted, you know Eichel's a center, but you know uh, a Jack Eichel or something like that, and you fleece Buffalo again. But well, I, I'd be very, very surprised personally. Fair. All right, so let's move on. Uh, the Canes beat Preds last night in Game Six. Went four straight overtimes. That was a series that actually wound up being more exciting than I thought it 
it was. And and that's um showing that a lot of that had to do with the fact that there was energy there in Nashville. Um just loud, obnoxious at times, sure, but like it, it's something that the the sport lacked, that our lives lacked. And you mentioned previously that Montreal is going to have fans in the stands, even if it's a couple thousand people. I, I feel like that's kind of unfair, right? Like it, it, they should have to start with the next, like the next round, because it's kind of an unfair advantage. I I would assume that maybe Toronto might actually pull the trigger and have people in Game Seven if it winds up coming down to that. But uh, yeah, what's your what's your take on that when it comes to uh, the Preds and Kane series? Yeah, that was that was wild. I mean, I this is a series I was like in hide and say, you know before everything I was like if there's a series that that could have a sweep it was that and of course it was the Jets and Blues two series where you thought the Blues would at least compete and you know bring up at least one game and and the Oilers with the offense they have you think they would at least win one or two or at least win even win the series I mean they're the favorites but uh, yeah I mean the the Predators battled hard you got to give them credit. Uh, I mean, the, the, the Canes also, you know, they were down multiple times going into the third period, you know, tie the game, get it to overtime, find a way to win. You know, you could easily argue that that was, you know, the one of the most exciting series in the first round. But, I mean, at the same time, you got to give props to Carolina for, for sticking with it and dealing with those probably endurance issues and stamina issues playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back overtime games, some double overtime games, but granted you have a rest day in between, but you know, it's, it's going to take its toll. So it's going to be interesting because, you know, they go into the next round playing the lightning where their records are literally identical. They've each won four games, each one like lost one in overtime. So they're like, they're like four, three and one against each other. But then at the same time, their stats are almost identical too against each other in terms of like goal scored goals against penalty kill percentage, power play percentage. So I think that's a series to watch, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if if Tampa came out guns blazing and took that just because of the toll, you know, of the extra time playing and extra minutes played that the Canes had to deal with in that first round. So yeah, uh, and I don't know what it is. I guess the whole seventeen million dollars over the salary cap scenario with Tampa sitting out Stamkos and Kucherov and just kind of playing the game it, it leaves a sour taste in my mouth. And I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be rooting for the Canes here on that next series. Cause I had, I had Canes sweeping, uh, the Preds, which they didn't wind up doing. They won it in six and I had the Panthers over Tampa. Did you have the Panthers over Tampa? Tampa? I did. Yeah. My bracket's a shit show, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, I think mine is as well. Yeah. So far I'm not having fun this postseason. I, my, all my predictions have been incorrect. But, yeah, I mean, the Canes are a fun team to watch. I know that their goaltending is still a big question mark. Um, you know, Ajo is Ajo. Um, but uh, the real thing that you're seeing is you're really seeing some great leadership from Stahl. And the games that I have caught, he's been playing phenomenal. So when you have a captain that's not only playing well, but he's he's like, you know, representing your team well, that that's great too. And then that video, I don't know if you saw it today that came out with Rod, uh, Rod Brindamore. Uh, it was his dad's birthday and it was right after they won. So like the whole team called, uh, called him and, and wished him a happy birthday and saying happy birthday. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm a big Rod Brindamore fan. Like he seems like a great coach um, standing up for, 
everything. I, I don't know. There was all controversy about how many penalties they were taking and all that great shit. And it's never a professional to, um, to blame refs when you're a coach, but I, yeah, I mean, you gotta love his admiration. He's, he's, a, he's, he's, he believes in his team. And I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they gave up, um, or they gave Tampa a run for their money, but yeah, I, Tampa's going to be hard to beat. I mean, it's it's math at that point. They're seventeen million dollars over the cap. They 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 have the best team. They have the best team built. So hopefully, it's an exciting series. Um, definitely was not that. Uh, I was not expecting that series against the Preds. Some fun hockey, to say the least, at bare minimum. Uh, did you see? Oh, we have to talk about this. Creed playing like during the like intermission like if that's not nashville i don't know what is if there's not a banner raised for that we riot exactly yeah lo said that she wanted to get one and and hang it up i'm like no i just don't want to do that because i don't want the preds logo in here but yeah that's that's brilliant uh okay so i guess let's talk about the jet sweep right uh you picked the jets in your bracket which i don't think anyone else did to be completely honest with you everybody thought Connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl uh were gonna carry their team even further but as i suspected and as i brought up last episode mike smith was exposed and he's just not a great goaltender so hopefully they do something about that in the offseason but yeah uh the jets clean sweep with edmonton let's talk about that a little bit yeah, I mean, I had it going seven, to be fair. I had it going seven with, with the Jets and Oilers, the Jets winning. I don't think anyone expected a sweep. I, if there is a Jets fan somehow listening to this, you know, if you want to say you called a sweep, I say bullshit, show me your bracket. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was my main reason was was you have Mike Smith as the goalie you're trusting to, to take you on a cup run. And it's just like, I don't care what offense you have personally. That's that's not a recipe for success. He's, he's shown it in the past, and he's getting older each year. But ironically enough, Oilers GM Ken Holland came out and said he wants to re-sign Mike Smith. So I don't know if that's a testament to not any goaltending on the market or not any goaltending you know that he's going to trade for or wants to trade for or whatever, but... A little surprising, but at the same time, I think it goes back to the Jets were somewhat physical and in the face of, of McDavid and, and, and Dreisaitl. They, they didn't get on the board until game three, uh, and then the Jets obviously won every game. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, I just don't think it's... I guess what, I, what I'm trying to say here is I think the other aspect, too, that's interesting is... As as passionate and as and as raucous and and you know loud as as these Canadian fans can get for their teams, like it's an interesting aspect. It's it's basically the the second version of the bubble in a sense, where there's no fans, there's nobody nobody in the arena. It just kind of feels like an exhibition game to, in a sense. So it's like, do we take this you know as what it was, or you know we don't have you know eighteen nineteen thousand fans you know cheering us on or booing the other team or whatever the case may be but at the same time you know there's no pressure in that sense on the players so you have our top players and and mcdavid and dreisaitl really not doing a whole lot i mean they had chances don't get me wrong but uh they they really didn't you know meet expectations i think in in any manner but (laughs) I think if the Jets want to have a chance, they need to make a move for a defenseman that isn't uh, Nurse, who played, what, 60, 
three minutes and change in a double overtime game, which is insane because the record was held by Seth Jones, who played that quadruple overtime game with uh, with the with the Blue Jackets against uh, the the Lightning, uh, and he was only like two and a half minutes off of that. So if that doesn't tell you how bad Edmonton's you know defense is. I don't know what does personally. The fact that you have to rely on a guy to play over an hour of ice time in a game that, you know, didn't even really go a hundred minutes, that's kind of insane. Uh but yeah, I think that's what you have to do. You need to get someone who's better than Darnell Nurse, not saying he's a bad defenseman, but you need a shutdown guy you can count on in those situations. And you need an actual goaltender who can who can do what needs to be done and counted upon. Uh, in, in big moments, and Mike Smith's never been that guy. He never has, and I don't think he ever will, and if you want to re-sign him, then it's just going to be constant disappointment. McDavid, I would assume, if this goes on for another year or two, he's probably like, I went out, this is bullshit, I'm over it, but we'll we'll see. That That's my take on it. Yeah, Mike Smith is, is just not a, a starting goaltender anymore, and to re-sign him based off of what he did during the regular season when you're only playing Canadian teams in the worst division, arguably the worst division, um, then, yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah, it's, that's scary if you're an Oilers fan, that's for sure. Um, I hope that they plan on re-signing him, then they're at least going to go out and try to find someone to back him up or potentially steal his job as the starter. So let's talk about the Pens and Islanders. Went... Six games. I think we both had the Pens winning. You had the Pens going all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And Pens, so you know what? Fuck me. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. You know what? You thought with your heart on that situation. You normally give me shit for thinking like that. Like, you normally a more statistic guy. Like, I don't know. Tristan Jari. I mean, that's it. That's all I got to say. That's my argument. He's not that great of a goaltender and i mean he he had some horrible i think he's solely responsible for two overtime losses right like turning the puck over one was behind the net and then he just like he didn't turn it over he just didn't touch it he like let a player take it and then it like they shut that down and then he passes the puck straight to the tape of Somebody, I can't, somebody on the Islanders, I can't think of who it was. And they just. Josh Bailey, I believe. Bailey, you're right. Bailey in the second overtime. And that, that's it. So if you're a Pens fan, that sucks because you, you beg an expansion team to take your future Hall of Fame goaltender, right? You put all your eggs in the basket for Matt Murray. And then you decide to trade him to hell, Ottawa. And you give up on him. And then you got Tristan Jari. You got to think that they're going to be in the market for a goaltender as well, right? A, I mean, the other option is uh, what Casey DeSmith, who I think the rumor was he was injured, uh, which is why he didn't go in at all, but he backed up as emergency purposes. But uh, yeah, I, I think I saw an atrocious stat where his goals saved above average was minus eight, meaning there is an expected based off of, you know, the rushes, the shots, whatever, you know, this is all analytical bullshit in my opinion, but I mean, you saw the way he played. I mean, it passes the eye test in my opinion. Over those six games, he was expected to let in 15 goals, which, which isn't terrible the way things went out, right? But he let in 23. So he let in eight more expected goals than the expected goals against uh, based off the, you know, analytic standards. So he let in 23. Uh his glove hands sucked. They kept going glove, and he kept letting them in. 
His high danger save percentage at five on five was below eighty percent, uh, which was I think the third worst in the in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, he he had a absolutely brutal postseason. I mean, the the Penguins did what they could. I mean, I don't think Malkin was a hundred percent. You know, their their defense is also kind of young, similar to the Blues in a sense. I feel like in terms of who they played back back there, but. Yeah, I mean, if if Yari just plays according to analytics again, you know, league average, the Penguins probably take the series in five or six. But I mean, I, I think the issue wasn't that overtime goal where 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 Yari essentially you know passed it right to to Josh Bailey. He passed it and then overcommitted trying to cover the the you know the the, the, the other side of the net and then just left short side open and it was it was game over. And like I get it, but. Yeah, you can't make that play. You can't make that play. I mean, you make the safe out route. You don't pass it in the middle of the ice. I think everyone knows that. And if he doesn't know it, he knows it now. But at the same time, what's interesting is, I mean, you kind of have to, I feel like, right? But the Penguins players kind of are standing behind Tristan Yari. And uh, like Chris Rattang, he he said, uh, you know, quote, at the end of the day, I truly believe he's a number one goalie who got the job done for us all year round. It's been two years in a row. He's been among the best at his position, and he's not wrong. But you look at playoffs, and it's a different animal. So, yeah, interesting. Very interested to see what they do. All right. So, moving on to the last first round that we have not talked about yet, and that's the Battle of Florida. Once again, we agreed on something, and it went wrong. Uh, I thought it was going to go seven for sure. I had the Panthers pulling out because, like, I. So she said. <laughs> uh yeah i i was excited for the panthers i really was i thought quinville was the uh the missing link but barbrowski showed that he's a bum which dude i think we both praised him which i know we've talked shit on him before he's not a 10 million dollar goaltender to say the least and here you are right game five you put in a guy that has played what three nhl games he was their first round draft pick this year. Spencer Knight played amazing. Uh, Knight legend, by the way. Just to put that he almost was. Though they tried to trade up for him, but they, the Panthers had their eyes on him, which says a lot. Because I guess they're going to let Dreiger leave. Dreiger, is that how you say it? I guess he's because he's like a free agent. So he's gone. So I don't know. But, you know, Barkov was, was uh, exciting to watch as per usual. A great series, high scoring, lots of energy. That's exactly what I want out of playoff hockey. Uh, what do you think went wrong? Like, why? I mean, obviously, Tampa is a powerhouse. Like, they have their $17 million over the cap. I'm going to say that like three or four more times in this podcast because I think it's bogus. Uh, they just, they might repeat. They, they're scary, right? I mean, I don't know. I, to me, I just think it's the matchup. I think the Panthers weren't evenly matched and they weren't, their opponents just uh, were better than them. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a combination of you have a team that just won the cup that the expectations are all on them. They've made deep runs before going against a team that, you know, I think, you know, exceeded expectations of everybody this year. And, you know, everyone's kind of getting their their, their, their first taste, I guess, if you will, of the postseason. Uh, I mean, they, they've been in it before, but, but to, you know, actually have kind of the expectation on their shoulder, like if we beat Tampa Bay, like, there's a chance we could we could win this thing, right? Um, I mean, they put up a hell of a fight. I, 
I think it's a situation where, I mean, you're going up against a powerhouse for Tampa Bay where, again, all of a sudden, oh, Kucherov, he doesn't play 56 games and he's magically ready to go game one of the playoffs, but there's no cap-compliant rules in the playoffs, which I, I get, but is is kind of bullshit, uh, especially in this scenario. Like, I can understand maybe it's like, oh, you know, I mean, I guess a Blues example would be like a, a Tarasenko or like, for example, you, like a Marsha show is out for, you know, two thirds of the year and he comes back, you know, with, with 10 or 15 games left. And, you know, you have this guy that's been performing really well, whether it be a trade, whether it be, you know, someone you call, you call up from the AHL or whatever. And it's like, okay, you know, going into the playoffs, it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're one, $2 million, you know, over the cap, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like I get it. But the fact that you're like over 10 million, what, 13, 14 million over the cap is kind of a joke. Uh, so at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, you have Stamkos and Kucherov kind of there putting yourself near a $100 million cap, yet it doesn't exist. Yet everyone else is basically adhering to like 85, you know, 80 million. It's, it's, it's kind of stupid. But I mean, yeah, you're going against that much firepower. What are you going to do? And the flip side, too, is like, I still don't know how Bobrovsky got as much money as he did. I mean, the dude, I mean, granted, he had a shitty postseason, you know, this year. He somehow won a game, but he had a 5.33 goals against, barely an 84 save percentage. His career playoffs, again, granted, this is on the Blue Jackets, 13 and 23, 3.24 goals against average, save percentage just a tick under 90% at 0.899. Like, what are you doing here? I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I need to look this up. I mean, I, I don't. Is is Bobrovsky have a full no trade clause, making him ineligible for the expansion draft? Because that's another way you could go. Like, it could resign Dredger. We could have Spencer Knight be the backup. They could split time and compete against each other and 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 see what happens. But uh, I think that was it. I mean, you're just over, kind of overwhelmed with all these guys who kind of have expectations on their shoulders that they didn't have them before. And just being overwhelmed by the by the firepower that uh, that that the Lightning have, but yeah, Bobrovsky does not does have a full no movement clause. Yeah, so. dude, are you? Fu- I just looked that up. As yeah. soon as you said that, I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" A full Brutal. no movement clause for a goalie, for any goalie at ten million a year. Brutal. Any player at ten million, like, but like a goalie, a goalie, ten million a year. He's your goalie forever. He's Carey Price. But he's not. That's Bobrovsky. That's his, he's not Vasilevsky. Vasilevsky makes like less than him, I'm pretty sure. I think Vasilevsky's at like 6.5. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, Carey Price is a full no movement clause. But I mean, he, he kind of has the hype and the, the stuff that he's done you know, before in some sense to, to back it up to some extent. I, I personally think that was dumb. But I mean, I get what you have to do. I mean, if you offer this guy, you know, 10 million or 10 and a half million, when he probably at the time could have commanded 11 or 12. And it's like, well, if we give him this, maybe he takes it, you know, like I get that aspect of it, but yeah, I, that's, that's going to be brutal. I think that's going to be the one thing that's going to hold the Panthers back from, from competing is, is that brutal contract, unless they can find a way out of it. I mean, how retain 50% of it, you have extra sure. 5 million. You yeah. have Spencer Knight who showed up, he showed up more than anybody in the playoffs. I mean, he outperformed. Sergei Borowski, he outperformed Chris Dredger, and you know he put up a you know 2.06 goals against and 93.3 save percentage in two games where Chris Dredger was 
not great either. And again, I don't think that's anything against them. I think it's they were just overpowered by by the lightning. Was but, he so wait, wait, did so Dreiger he played? He played in the postseason? Yeah, he started two games. So every, every what's interesting is every all three of those goalies started two games. All three of them saw three games. So I think Bobrovsky started two. Dredger got pulled for one. Dredger started two. Okay. I thought he was injured. I thought he was injured. I could be wrong, but still uh, crazy. Yeah, every, everyone played two games and that started two games in that series. And Spencer Knight, I mean, granted the kid's, you know, twenty years old in this interview. Uh, number one, he has the straightest eyebrows I've seen on a man. Uh, and number number two, like I mean, they're just like straight like lines across, like it's wild. And number two, the guy like his interview, he's just like smiling and like looking at the crowd and taking like a minute to respond. And he's like, "Yeah, this is pretty cool. The fans are pretty cool." And like that's all he has to say. Like it's it's kind of funny. I mean, the dude's twenty, putting thrown into a spotlight. I get it, but. I mean, it's it's hard to argue that's not your goaltender of the future. I mean, even Dredger, if you can get him away to resign, you know, resign or buy out Bravosky, or I I don't know what you do with him, but he's thirty two. He's got you know another six or yeah, another five years after this. He's going to be you know pushing thirty seven by the time his contract's up. Bravosky is and. Yeah, I think that's what holds them back. Personally. If they can find a team to take Bobrovsky off their hands, then they're going to look so much better. Because Dreiger is only Agreed. making one point seven million dollars for two years. When and he's he's due up now. Yeah, but, right. So give Spencer Knight league minimum, right? Because he can't do yeah. anything about it for a while, and then pay Dreiger four million, four point five million dollars, and then go. Uh. Go out and get yourself a couple more studs in the front end. Yeah, I mean, best case scenario, you have a 1A, 1B situation. You know, as Blues fans, like a prime Brian Elliott, Jake Allen type situation back in the day. Uh, or you have one ideally outcompete the other, take the job, the other one backs up, you're cool with that. Uh, yeah, and, and go with it. But I don't know what you do about Bravowski because I think the buyout on that is just a joke. If you if you try to too do high, it. too high, so, too long. They just signed him, so yeah. So if you buy him out, <laughs> you're you're basically paying him. What is it? It's it's a cap hit of like, oh my god, it's brutal. It's like a cap hit of like six point eight for the next two years, five point wow. eight for the next three years. And then from there, it drops off to like 1.8 for the next five years. So he's going to be on your cap hit for, instead of a full price at six years, it's going to be on there in some capacity for the next, you know, 10. So, uh, yeah, that's brutal. That's brutal. Absolutely. So let's wrap up this episode. Uh, Before we get to questions, let's talk about the last series. Obviously, it's the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Once again, the Bruins caps. Don't forget them. Oh, shit. Okay, well, let's talk about that real quick then. Obviously, uh, S- Samsonov. Do I say that right? S- they always say that Samson- his name. Samsonov. 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 It's like yeah. you have to say it, like Samsonov. Samsonov. Like you have yeah, to say it yeah. with like, a weird fluctuation on your voice. Uh, he's injured. He was injured. They rushed him back because they didn't believe in Craig Anderson. I didn't think Craig Anderson played all that bad. I don't think he did either, but. But I mean, I guess I could. You could get nervous at having a forty-year-old backup that literally got signed to a professional tryout, <laughs> and he's your starting goaltender in the in uh, the postseason. Um, 
Yeah, and Samsonov had a couple of horrible terms. Samsonov. He had a couple. <laughs> Samsonite. I was way off. He uh, he had a couple of horrible turnovers too, uh, in in overtime as well. He. I yeah. mean, he was he's hurt. I I've I brought this up before. I I just don't really think the um, the Caps are the same team. And to back up my opinion, because I normally don't do that very well with stats, the uh, the Washington Capitals have not won a playoff series since winning the Cup in 2017. So, and the, the Blues are the same, but the Blues obviously won much sooner. So they're going on four postseasons now without winning a single postseason uh, matchup. That's crazy. I mean, they're just not a threat anymore. If you want to compound that stat, I think Pittsburgh Penguins have lost 15 of their last 19 playoff games on top of that, who most recently went back-to-back after Lightning, uh, Blues, and Caps won. So that's also wild. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, your first game, your goalie, I mean, I, 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 uh, Vanacek, I, I feel like, honestly, I kind of feel like that's on him in some capacity, the way he hurt himself, like he overextended for a shot on the ice that he, I think, easily arguably should have been in position for, but wasn't. And in turn, hurt his growing, uh, growing. Uh, you know, we have Sam Sonoff and growing and growing. and Sam Sonoff. All sorts of pronunciations here. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough spot to put yourself in. You have a goalie in Craig Anderson who... Barely played, if any. I mean, I think he played four games during the regular season. I mean, he did fine, but at the same time, like, I don't think he, start, I think he only started two of them. So, I mean, he's 40 years old. He's there and as, a, as an emergency backup, and that's what he was used for. And what's crazy is in the game that he, he played following that injury because uh, Sam Sonoff was still on, uh, <laughs> was still on, I think, the COVID list. Uh he had a 917 save percentage, but let in four goals. So he stopped 44 or 48 shots, which is wild, uh, but lost. I mean, well, what more do you want from any goaltender in that capacity? But I mean, I get it. You know, this is a guy of the past. You need to play your guys in the future, see what they can give you. Like, it completely makes sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see it going five. I mean, I thought they were relatively even in terms of the way that they played. Uh, just the Bruins, I think, got got more bounces. Maybe were a bit more physical. Maybe the the Chara element played into to the to the situation where he didn't want to really rough up his teammates of pretty much his entire career. Who knows, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, the Bruins won it. I was sad to see Trent Frederick. I don't think he played a single single game. St. Louis boy. Um, maybe that changes down the stretch. I Wait, he's it. from he's from St. Louis. Yeah, that's why that's why I love the guy. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, you yeah. you fucking predictable bitch. I didn't even know he was from St. Louis. I just thought you, you liked mean. him for being a shithead. I mean that that's a huge part of it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, he didn't play a single game in the postseason. I mean, maybe that changes. I'd love to see it. I, I, I mean, I get why you don't put him in. I mean, it's his first. Yeah, he, he's a liability year. too. Yeah, it makes you wonder: Is he gonna have a short temper? Put you on a put you on a penalty kill for something he shouldn't do? Who knows? But uh, yeah, and what's interesting is both of us for the season. I don't know if you remember, we both said, "Oh yeah, the Bruins are probably gonna be that team, that fifth seed on the outside looking in, you know, not make it." And they ended up what in the third spot, and now they've beaten the Capitals, and now the Penguins are gone, and now it's Caps Isles. Uh, I'm sorry, Bruins Isles for uh, 
for the second round there. So, uh, yeah, we were, we were way off in the we were way off in the regular season for sure. I, I, but the Bruins, I, I I've said since Taylor Hall, I said watch these motherfuckers go deep, and I don't know if I'm biased because I'm dating a fucking Bruins fan. I know, gross, but like, I Taylor Hall might might I don't know. He might be the missing piece. And he's he's doing great for the team. Uh, I'm not a Bruins fan, but uh, yeah, I could see them going deep, dude. How wild would that be, bro? If we see a Bruins Maple Leafs matchup, like like whether it's in the final, which I think is still possible, right? No, it would be the. It wouldn't be in the final. It would be third round. I think originally it was supposed to be third round, but yeah, it would be third round, correct. God, that would be epic. I want that. I actually want that. Like I, I, can, I want, at this point, I do too. Yeah, that's exactly what I want for that matchup. I think that would be so much fun. Um, yeah. So the let's wrap this episode up with our predictions for tonight. Uh, before we get into questions, as I said, it's uh, we're going, we're both going to the game. Um, it's the VGK versus the Minnesota Wild. Knights have never won a game seven or closed out a series at home. Uh, and Pete DeBoer, though, is 5-0 and in Game 7s, including the infamous Game 7 against the Knights uh, with the five-minute major, which is wild to think about. Um, the Minnesota Wild have only had three Game 7s in the entire history of their franchise, and they're 3-0. and So, uh, man, I know these stats don't matter because at the end of the day, it's still a hockey game, and anything can happen. Flurry was the first off the ice. And because he's the first off the ice, he is playing, which is a surprise. I thought they were going to start Leonard last game, uh, to be quite frank with you. Um, but it looks like DeBoer is a one, a one goaltender guy. Like he's uh he doesn't have any side bitches because last year he rode Leonard the entire time too. I I know that you uh, you've joked around. You tried you went around trying to find a, a Minnesota Wild hat or socks to wear to the game tonight. You yeah. joke. You joke. But what is your unbiased opinion on tonight? What do you think is going to happen? What do you think it's going to take for either team to win this game? I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be, and you're going to hate me for this because I still believe it, and my bracket says it, wild and seven. Uh, Fun fact, though, before I get into this, I did end up changing Colorado winning the series against the Blues. I remember because Perron was on COVID list. So I have that. So I have okay. Iowa still going to the finals at least. So I'm not as in bad shape as I thought I was. Um, but that being said, uh, I think the Wild win it. I mean, they've won two out of three already in Vegas. I think it's and and again, I think it comes down down to can the Knights' top players execute and score goals? And I think I mentioned it to you the other night. Uh, it's kind of the, the same old story. I mean, grant the special teams play a factor, but you know the, the limited opportunities you get are obviously magnified. I mean, the Knights are, are two for 14 on the power play through six games. That's not a recipe for success against a team that should have a much higher output on offense. And they just, for every reason, don't. I mean, they sucked uh you know in the regular season when it came to the power play too i I just don't get it personally uh so i think it's going to be a situation where it's going to come down to five on five play which you know you could easily argue favors the favors the knights but at the same time i mean the wilder are playing pretty damn good too and all things considered i mean 
everyone can say, I think it was what game four, that goaltender interference against Felino against flurry got called back and the Knights took the momentum and won the game is the exact same thing that happened in game six with Alex tuck in the crease goaltender interference gets called the wild take over the game kind of easily win and push it to seven. I mean, personally speaking of that, I don't think either of those calls are goaltender interference. I think both of them should have been allowed personally. And I think if they were, we're probably in the same situation we're in now. Just the roles are flipped or the Wild win game four instead of the Knights and the Knights win game six instead of the Wild personally. But yeah, I mean, I think tonight it comes down to who's going to be better five on five, which I personally would give would give the edge to to the Knights. However, by by playing flurry and again, in no way do I think he's played t- terrible or bad in any in any situation i think it gives them too much comfortability and and thinking they're going to close this out versus if you were to play a lenner who is going to be like okay lenner's in net we weren't expecting yeah, that we yeah go out there and, and and perform and be on our toes versus kind of like flat-footed or, or on their heels i mean I, obviously i think in any home game seven for the home team they're, they're going to come out and push they're going to have a hard you know five ten minutes so they're probably going to take over the game and if they don't come out you know, the lead on top of that, I think it's anyone's game personally. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, being there, I mean, I was just kind of like it's Labor Day weekend or Memorial Day weekend, not Labor Day, that's a few months off. But uh, Memorial Day weekend, we're, we got a long weekend ahead of us. Let's cruise over to Vegas. Let's watch some fun playoff hockey. My team's not in it. Let's root for the wild. <laughs> you know, use the whole band, the whole bandwagon fan against Tyler here and, and, and see what happens. So. Okay, so... I don't know if it's the two mango white claws and the the vodka Red Bull that I had during the recording of this podcast and where I sit. I'm confident. I am confident. I really am. And here's why, okay? I agree with what you said about Leonard because the team seems to score more goals when Leonard's in net. It seems like they're a little uh they're a little nervous about the scenario and so they try to put the puck in the net more. Uh but I'm looking back on this series, okay? Game one, Minnesota Wild wins by one in overtime, okay? Game two, the Knights win three to one. Game three, the Knights win five to two. Game four, Knights win four to nothing, okay? Game five, that's, that's kind of the weird dark horse here, right? The Wild score four goals and put it over two. Then the Wild shut out the Knights. So it's been, it's been pretty back and forth, to be honest with you. But I think high scoring. I think that they find it. I think we're going to have a lot of good atmosphere here at, at, at T-Mobile. I think it's going to be unmatched so far to what these teams have witnessed so far in the playoffs. Uh, and I think Flurry flourishes. Flurry flourishes. Flurry, flurry, say that three times fast. I think that he's going to flourish with the hype, right? Like he's got his home bar and everyone's loud. Game seven, I mean, I know you've said that you, you feel like he cracks under pressure. But I, I, I think he uses it to his advantage. Uh, and that's going to be the X factor. I really do think it's going to be that way. I think we're going to see a lot of... Uh, um, if we can see a lot of points coming from that Carlson, Marceau, Riley Smith line, I'm completely comfortable, which is they've been pretty quiet so far this series. But at the same time, the leading goal scorer for the Wild has one point this entire time. Kaprizov has one point, one goal. No, sorry, two points. One goal, one assist. Uh, you shut him down. Flurry t- plays amazing, like he like he is capable of playing. My final prediction: 
if the Knights, so it's going to be a two-part prediction, right? If the Knights can go into the third period up two goals, they win the game. If that's that's a big part, they have to they have to score early and frequently, like you said, it has to they have to come with fire, uh, a coming fire. Uh, <laughs> they have to come fire. The, the the Golden Knights have to come fire to win this. I my final prediction: four to one, Golden Knights. I think that it's going to be two to one going into the second period. That's the only way it'll make sense. I think the Knights will put up one in the third. No, I think this is my, I, I want to document this perfectly. Two to one, Golden Knights going into the second period, right? Scoreless second period, two empty netters. Because the Wild are going to pull way too early, being down only one goal. And I think it ends four to one. I, I mean, I know there's a little bit of bias in that, but I think I think we can both agree the only way the Knights are going to win this is, is as if a high-scoring game, right? Because like, I mean, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, but I mean, well, I think- they're a shutdown team. They're really defensive-minded. They're really boring to watch. It, if they're winning this game, they're not going to win it. You know, they're not going to win it four to one. Yeah, I mean, the there's only been one game over six goals, uh, uh, and the Knights two of their losses have been shutouts. Uh, so if the Knights, simple, simple way to put it, right? If the Knights score a lot of goals, they win the game. I mean, that, that's, that's how hockey works, right? You score more goals than the other team, you win. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Knights are going to need probably four. Well, no, I wouldn't say probably four. They need three. For sure, four, they win the game. I mean, either team, uh, in my opinion. But, I mean, everything on the line, uh, I'd be hard-pressed for a lot of offense, personally, with... You're not going to get a lot of power plays. You're not going to get a lot of calls, most likely. It's going to be, you know, questionable hits, interference, hooking, slashes that aren't going to get called, and people are going to get frustrated. I personally see this being like a 2-1, 3-2 game, either ending, you know, on a flurry, uh, not not mentioning flurry for any reason, just a, a flurry of, you know, either <laughs> team pulling the goalie with, you know, a minute and 45 seconds left, and that's just kind of an onslaught. Whoever's up trying to hold on and, and, you know, try and close it out or it's going to be tied and go to overtime. I don't see a different outcome unless for whatever reason. I mean, they are the Minnesota Wild. There is no Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux curse anymore in game sevens. I, I don't see them cracking under pressure. I don't think you see the Knights really cracking under pressure. They've gone through it enough. I think they, they, they know what's at stake here. So, I mean, I don't see it being anything other than a close, tight game where one goal wins it. And maybe you do get that empty net, or maybe they get one of them, right? But I, I don't really see it getting out of hand, you know, unless it's very, very late, like you mentioned, two empty net goals or something along those lines. So, Well, I hope for our sake it's an exciting game, at bare minimum. I, I hate watching this series. It's a, It's been no fun for the most part. Um, it's going to be exciting, though. Uh, let's wrap up this episode with a couple of questions that we had across uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook. Um, the first question is, uh, what do you think is the key? This is from Eric Noah on, on Twitter. He wants to know, what do you think the key is going to be to get Vegas over the hump, especially after two underwhelming offensive performances in a row? So I'm assuming he's, he's asking if, if they don't close out tonight, they don't win or they don't go deep in the playoffs. What do they got to do in the off season? I guess to to kind of uh, change it up, and I'll start uh, being the fan. Obviously, um, 
they need a goal scorer. They need a dickhead, big swinging wiener. They need a guy that just pulls his dick out. They need James Neal in his prime, right? Joe, Joe Thornton can just score four here instead. Yeah, no, they need a big, big old wiener. They need a big wiener. Uh, and if that means trading some people that I don't want them to trade, including Reeves, including Robin Leonard, because you got that much in, in the net, I, I, I don't want either of those guys to go. Uh, but you don't really have a lot of options. You really have to move somebody. Um, my personal opinion would be move Nick Holden and move Riley Smith and try to find yourself a Mike Hoffman-esque person at that like five to six million dollar mark. They need somebody like that. They they need somebody that can only score goals. They need David Perron. You know, like they need they need that. They need the guys that they let go. They need James Neal. They need David Perron. They need somebody like that, and they, they really haven't had anybody like that in a long time. I guess Max Pacioretty and Jonathan Marchessault are like the two, but Marchessault is very streaky. Uh, Pacioretty, obviously, injury-prone because he's not even playing. That's what I think they need to do. I think they need to make uh, um, uh, a swing at somebody that's a goal scorer. I'm a little nervous, to be honest with you. They're kind of an aggressive team. They might go after Eichel. You know, like if they if they know they can send some players to Buffalo and pull somebody out like Eichel or, or Taylor Hall, uh, I think they will do it. Um, that's just my two cents. They need they need a superstar because Mark Stone's a superstar, but he's not purely a goal scorer. Yeah, I mean, I, I my my two part answer to this is short term. It's you, you fucking produce on the power play. The Knights haven't had that. You know, we're down one or it's a tie game, you know, type of a situation where, you know, we score a power, big power play goal, tie the game up, take the lead. They haven't had that. I can't think of a time they've had it in past postseasons either because their power play doesn't show up. I think short term, if you get that, you get all of your top people confidence, that could be the, the tipping point in, in winning this game and winning the series personally. But at the same time, I mean... <laughs> Cap space isn't unlimited unless you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? Uh, yeah, so it, it's 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 like you know you, if you try to bring in an I, like I think you're exactly right. I mean, if you're able to bring in a, a Mike Hoffman who will you know probably significantly help out your power play, I, I think it puts them in a much better spot than they are today, as depending on what they're sacrificing, right? But I think that's probably some type of power play specialist who can. You know, somewhat perform five on five doesn't necessarily mean to probably be a two way forward, but at the same time, you know, can be a guy you can count on five on five, if you will. I I, I think that's the hardest part, right? But uh, I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if if a Hoffman signed there. Obviously, some some decisions are going to have to be made. Somebody's going to have to be moved out, or you're going to have to you know not resign an Alec Martinez and and figure out financials from there and who replaces him. But uh, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of questions to, to answer if they if they don't win tonight. If they don't win tonight, a lot a lot's changing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're I don't think they're gonna fire DeBoer yet. And they like McPhee too much, and he's technically not the GM anymore. He's the like the VIP of hockey operations. So like McCrimmon is a new face to the GM situation, and he's only been doing it now for two years. They're not firing those guys. They're not. DeBoer has a good record with the team. They're not getting rid of him either. So they're going to make some changes uh, to the team, and it's going to be scary if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan. I wouldn't be surprised if they move Marcia or if they move Riley Smith. 
even Reeves, Robin Lett, no one's going to be safe. They'll go after whoever they have to because they're a very aggressive team. Um, and yeah, you know how I feel. I, I, I'd love to see Mike Hoffman, but he had a great season. So who knows if he's only going to be at that $5 million mark anymore. Like True. if he wants more money than that, then I don't know about that. Um, we have two more questions. Uh, and the next one's also a Knights question because it's from Twitter. Um, McGovern Dorothy, interesting name. Uh, I don't know if that's Dorothy McGovern, like if that's your your full name or whatever the deal is. But uh, she would like to know my opinions, our opinions on Keegan Colasar. What does he bring to the team that she's not seeing? Um, I can I can make it simple uh, and answer it, and we can move on. Uh, he's cheap and he's aggressive. So that's that's about it. He's a, a much cheaper Ryan Reeves. He's even cheaper than William Carrier. He can fill a role with hits, uh, and he's trying hard because he's a young kid, and this is his first chance at the, at the show. Uh, that's it. I mean, and they have death problems, so they, and, yeah. they need that. They need and, somebody. And to piggyback off that, I think that those reasons alone, having a Carrier, having a guy that can probably chip in more offensively than Reeves, not be the guy who can, you know... <laughs> hit anyone without any liberties coming towards his way because you know he's Ryan Reeves. I mean, that's, you know, it, it makes Ryan Reeves expendable, in my opinion, and frees up that cap space to potentially go after that, that you know, guy that you're looking for that can't put you over the hump offensively when, when everything's on the line, so. Yeah, I agree, and I'm a huge Reeves fan. You know that. Everybody knows that, listens to podcasts, but they need a goal scorer. It needs to happen. However that might uh, unfold, we'll, we'll see. Um... Then we have one more question. This comes from Sam Crafton. What's up, buddy? Uh, appreciate you. He wants to know, do the Blues go after Landeskog if he becomes a full free agent? Uh, I'm going to let you answer this while I go take a leak, and then we will come back and wrap this episode up. Uh, you start. All right, I guess i got to make this answer pretty lengthy then. Um, in short, probably not. I, I mean, I think it's a combination of what entices Landeskog to to come to St. Louis versus re-signing with the Avalanche? Obviously, there's that eighth year, but we saw how that played out with, with Alex Petrangelo, right? Uh, didn't really matter to him. Uh, but the flip side you could ask yourself, too, is, I mean, again, this is a pipe dream, right? But uh, Kale McCarr, he's an RFA. The Blues have their next four first-round picks. I mean, you could play a dangerous game where it's like, let's throw an offer sheet to Kale McCarr of ten and a half, you know, eleven million dollars for for seven years. The kid's, you know, twenty two years old. We saw what he did against us in the playoffs. You know, worst case scenario, what what happens? We we lose, you know, our our, our four first round picks, which sucks. But in in hindsight, you're gaining arguably a you know top ten. You can maybe make an argument for a top five, you know, up and coming defenseman who could completely change your back end, which I think the Blues desperately need. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of things to consider. I mean, I, I would call it a pipe dream for, for Landis Gog to, to, to leave the, the Avalanche, unless they just severely want to underpay him, which I would be shocked to see with the cap space I know that they'll end up probably having. Um, but then it's also, you have, to, you have to factor in again, yeah, McCarr is coming on RFA. You could probably re-sign him for you know, one year. I don't think it's arbitration eligible yet, so you could probably get him, you know, another year for 1.52, which you're probably not going to like, but I get it. And then still re-sign Landis Gug and figure it out from there, but also Sod's coming off the books, which is $5 million. So, uh, 
I think Landis Gog's a pipe dream. I don't think he's a guy that, that personally the Blues need. Uh, I mean, that, that's my opinion. I think he's, he's kind of, uh, I would put him more as a lesser dry sidle to, to a McKinnon, if you will, where he's benefiting more from being on that line with, you know, Landis Gog, McKinnon, Rantanen, uh, than anyone else, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, he's probably going to get paid pretty, pretty nicely. So we'll see. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to. I mean, if you if you ask me point blank, if the Blues could get a Kale McCarr for for ten million, four first round picks in return, <laughs> and do it for seven years, I would say hundred percent pull the trigger uh, and figure everything else out later. But I would say in short, I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's going anywhere. From a personal standpoint, I would be shocked if you would leave that team, especially as the captain, seeing how much potential they have kind of long term in terms of making cup runs and whatnot. Yeah, no, I don't think that the core of their team is going to leave anytime soon. With McKinnon saying that he would take as many discounts as it, as it, as it means to like keep that team being competitive, I feel like Landis Gog's in the same boat, right? I mean, they'll take a little bit less to stay there if it means they're going to have deep runs in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um yeah, it's that like bro. I call them frat boy bros. Like it, they just everything about that scenario just seems like they're very tight knit, which is scary if you're facing them because they seem to connect a lot. I don't think that 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 top line is going to break up anytime soon. Uh, so yeah, I I don't see him going anywhere uh, personally. So if that's what you said while I was pissing, uh, I agree with you. Is that pretty much? That was a, that was a short version of what I said. Yes. Okay. Cool. Cool. So we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. We don't uh, we don't actually get together in the same room to do this often. So it's been a blast. We're uh, we're gonna drink a few more white claws and then head down to the Las Vegas Strip to watch hopefully exciting hockey. That's all I want. I really. I mean, I want to win. I want to win. My final prediction was four to one. What was your final prediction? Two to one. I said two one three two. It just I think it's gonna okay. Be one goal game. I hope not. I don't want it to be that way. I want to have a good time. Uh, and I guess only time will tell. And we'll we'll have a new episode next week where we talk about uh, round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Make sure you're following us each on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my handle is the Tyler Cash. And uh, Tommy's is the one that's difficult. TWG1992, right? That would be it. Okay, so follow us on that. Uh, Facebook.com slash fourthlinegoon, fourthlinegoon.com. If you were one of those people that ordered the Tom Wilson getting punched in the face shirts, those will be mailed out next week. Uh, we appreciate your support. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, cheers, everybody. Later, everyone. Later.